0: Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, with the latest installment of the Housing Wire Daily podcast, where our editors and reporters discuss the most compelling stories and sources they're covering. Today, my guest is James Kleiman, the managing editor of our newsroom, to talk about the biggest stories we covered this week. Before we dive in, though, here's a word from our sponsor.
1: Since 2015, Finance of America Mortgage and their skilled, award-winning mortgage advisors have helped over 450,000 customers, closing more than $134 billion in loan volume. Licensed in all 50 states, plus Washington, D.C., Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands, Finance of America Mortgage is backed by best-in-class lending technology and a wide range of innovative mortgage products that can help turn any borrower into a customer for life. Want to join an award-winning team and evaluate your business? Visit www.joinfamtoday.com forward slash housingwire to learn more. Finance of America Mortgage LLC is licensed nationwide. Equal Housing Opportunity. NMLS ID number 1771. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Equal Opportunity Employer.
0: James, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Is yes, Sarah good to be with you.
0: Always great to have you. Wow. You know, you and I this week, we talked several times about the fact that there was just so much content. I didn't. I, I couldn't even really like figure out how to do the homepage. Just to we we had so much incredible content this week.
1: That's a good problem to have, right?
0: It is a great problem to have, and I know that our audience appreciates it because you know when everything's going on, they they need to know what what that is. So the first thing I wanted to bring up today was rates. Uh, obviously, that's huge for our industry, and um, you actually covered rates yesterday. Um, so what what do we see there?
1: Yeah, so it's, a, it's kind of the continuing story that we've seen. You know, we did have that roller coaster for a little while. They were going up. They were going down. Um, but now things are starting to kind of maybe not stabilize, but they're very firmly moving upward and uh, definitively so uh, re- really since the Fed uh, announced the upcoming rate hikes. And, uh, and so the Freddie Mac PMMS Mortgage Survey, everyone knows it comes out once a week. It is just purchase mortgages. Uh, and, and I believe that it's, um, it's, it's an average of what, uh, what the lenders have on their websites for the last three days. Anyway, that, that came out this morning and, uh, and it touched 4.67%, which is up 25 basis points from the prior week and is, is actually the highest reading on that index since December of 2018. So it's, it's shooting pretty high and uh, I, I don't expect that it's going to be coming down anytime soon. You know, there's also, uh, for those who, who watch this this thing regularly and, and closely, Black Knight has a, a pricing engine, Optimal Blue, of course, and uh, and that also considers refi uh, from other sources, so the Mortgage Bankers Association plus the PMMS, and they reported on Wednesday that rates hit 4.81%, which is up about 10 basis points from that reading of, a week earlier. And and so, yeah, I mean, generally what you're seeing here is we're, we're looking at rates uh, getting into the fives. And, um, you know, again, for, for most of these, you know, buyers are also buying points, right? And so, you know, they, they can they can reduce the rate by buying points. But let's say you don't have a ton of cash or you're saving it to win a bidding war or whatever, you know, you're, you're probably looking at rates with APR probably in the fives, um, depending on where you are and, 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 you know, what your credit looks like and, and uh, you know, all the other factors that go into what a rate looks like. So yeah, they're going up and the fed is going to continue raising rates this year, probably next year. How much, how often we don't know, but I think the consensus really is they're probably going to raise rates another six times this year. And, you know, instead of doing the, the, kind of conventional 25 basis point increase, it might be even 50 uh, basis points in, in, in some of those increases. So yeah, I, I think we're, we're going to probably see rates, um, potentially in the sixes. I don't think it's crazy to think that they might even hit the sevens, you know, before things really stabilize and, and, uh, turn downward, but I, I'm definitely not an economist and, uh, I'm just uh, kind of reading the tea leaves here, so we'll see. But it's it's certainly not great, and and then you consider that home prices are uh, at their highest levels ever, and uh, demand is still quite strong. It's it's a really, really, really crazy market right now.
0: It really is, and I, I know that you know the continuing rate hikes and just the uncertainty of that is is such a pain point for our audience, whether they're in real estate or mortgage, right? Trying to trying to read the market and also trying to. Get things locked, get things uh, moving along in a pipeline um, so that all that makes sense. You know, one of the other um, big factors right now, which you alluded to there with the rising home prices, is housing inventory. Mm. Um, So Logan Motoshami, our lead analyst, wrote uh, a story this week why housing inventory is so low right now. And his main premise there is just that, you know, there was – in, in 2018 when the interest rates went up to five percent it did it did stall out building a little bit and really delayed building for about 30 months and then when you have this you know demand coming back so strong when you didn't have the inventory uh being built during that period that that's what we're really seeing tell us a little bit about about what you're seeing with inventory
1: yeah it's it's really it's not a great scene. And, and, you know, these things are not also equal in in various markets, right? So the local housing market in Austin, Texas is going to look quite a bit different than that of like, you know, Biddeford, Maine, for example. And so, you know, we, we always need to kind of, kind of take national statistics uh, with a bit of grain of salt because you know these local markets are, are hugely variable and 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 so much of that comes down to how much housing was built there over the last decade what is kind of the appetite to do so is there available land can builders uh you know adequately supply demand if if you know land prices are really high uh, but so having said all that the national inventory of active listings declined about 19 percent over last year in march and and while the total inventory of unsold homes including you know, deals that are in contract declined by about 12.5%. So if you look at where we are in March of 2022, and you look at active listing inventory compared to 2020, so right when the pandemic really started to to kick up, we're down about 62%. Wow. And it's, it's a staggering number. And so, yeah, you're going to continue to see bidding wars. There are still people out there. Who have money, you know? Who have cash, or have, uh, you know, the ability to to tap sources of credit, and uh, and there are more of them than there are houses on the market, and this this more acutely affects people who don't have the ability to to come up with a hundred grand in cash or two hundred grand or whatever it is. Um, But but those conditions are not going to ease up for a little while, and and while we know that builders are, are certainly. You know, putting shovels in the ground, and, and they have a lot of deals in contract. Even you know, before they even start, um, those homes are not online yet in a lot of places, and they probably won't be for for a little while. So it's it's a really tough market right now, and and newly listed homes, even in you know large metros, are, are still down five percent. So yeah, it's it's tough, and uh, I, I think it's also interesting because. You can also start to see some sensitivity with some uh, some pricing, and um, and and what I mean by that is if if you look at the average number of days on a market, generally that will tell you are you overpricing, you know, are you, are you trying to charge something something that nobody will pay, um, and then you have to you know, chop the price once or twice, whatever it is, you know, and, and so there are a lot of buyers uh, right now who are who are looking at deals and saying, okay, I have five potential homes that maybe fit my criteria are in my relative budget. You know, maybe these are achievable homes. Um, And one of them is probably going to have been sitting on the market for like, you know, two months and, and, and somebody just keeps a really high price tag on it thinking somebody will just get desperate enough. Um, And then you look at the data from this time last year and the, the typical home, was only listed for 11 days on the market and and yeah and in march of 2020 it was 21 days right and so these are all still very very extreme conditions you know it's like it's normal or it had been normal for a home to be sitting on the market for a few months uh before somebody put in a bid went in a contract and and everything closed but uh we're so we're yeah we're we're starting to see some some uh (laughs) aggressive pricing and some buyers just saying you know what that's just not worth it, even though I have so few choices right now. So maybe that's a sign, um, you know, that, that some will consider positive.
0: It is a mixed bag for sure. And you think about, you know, one of the things we've reported on is the the number of real estate agents that signed up during the pandemic. Right? We have 1.4 million real estate agents in this country, and you know, it's just a it's just a dog eat dog world out there. How do how do you compete against if you're a new new agent or new ish agent. Even if you have, you know, a re- you're a really established agent, you're missing out on some of, the, you know, in bidding wars, that's just not good for anybody. That means that, you know, of the 20 bids that came in, you know, 19 of them that was wasted time for the for the real estate agent, um might might have looped in the lender a little bit for prequal or whatever. So I mean, it it's just a it's brutal for the consumers and for people in our industry.
1: Yeah, it's a huge amount of wasted time and and that's true for you know people who work in the mortgage space, but especially those who are on the real estate side, and and even more acutely as as you correctly uh, said, is uh, is less experienced agents who maybe have a client who's bid on ten homes and. Every single one of those bids, you know, it was not even a you know a top three bid, right? And or or maybe they get under contract and and uh, they they end up not being comfortable foregoing an inspection, right? And and but the, you still as a as a real estate agent, you need to do all that paperwork. You need to triangulate everything. You need to convince the the, the lender that you know your client is is a uh, good to go. And you know you got to sometimes talk them down from the ledge. And that yeah, there are a lot of soft skills that go into. Uh, real estate agent work that are maybe not recognized, but it's real time. And um, and it's real money too, because they generally outside of Redfin work on commission, right? So um, yeah, I, I remember one of my colleagues, Matt Blake wrote a story a few months ago about Redfin and and they have an interesting model in that all of their agents are salaried and they get some bonuses, but they they have a very different model. And he spoke to one agent whose clients had put in 21 bids on various homes and lost all of them. Oh my gosh. And, um, you know, and, and, Redfin is, is interesting in that it provides agents far more leads than, you know, the average, um, brokerage shop. Most of which are, are, you know, kind of built on the model that the agent is, you know, an independent contractor and is responsible for eating what they kill. Um, but so Redfin's a little bit different. But I, I was just struck by how much work goes into writing all those, you know, uh, getting all the documents ready, and you know, all, all the people you need to to talk to. And, and a lot of these, you know, home buyers don't have, um, you know, a huge amount of, you know, knowledge about some of these areas, and they don't know a plumber, or they don't know a home inspector to to get something in on time. And it's a, it's a really stressful, difficult uh, endeavor. And and if you don't you know, if you have 21 offers and none of them are accepted, it's um, not only is it a lot of work, but it's still, you know, you go hungry another day, metaphorically speaking.
0: No, that's exactly right. And, you know, uh, the other thing with homebuyers is that they don't have a lot of great options because because of all this demand and, and you know, people hitting that age. Rent prices have also increased. So it's not like, oh, I'm it's okay. I'll just stay where I am and, you know, try again in six months. It's like in those six months, you're going to pay more. Um, and the market's going to, at, at least as far as we can tell right now, you know, we don't see prices dropping yet. We'll see, we'll see what happens as we get into the higher, um, you know, as mortgage rates go higher a little bit. What does that do to cool off the market? I still don't think mm-hmm. you're going to see huge price drops. I think it may not increase yeah. as much. And obviously, it's, it's all local. But I, I just really feel like if you're sitting out the market right now waiting for it to go down, I think that's a fool's errand.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, if current trends persist, you know, we, we might see a little bit more active inventory grow in the summer, but it, it looks like it's probably going to be a pretty slow spring. And, and again, we, we've talked about this before and, and we've talked about this on this podcast, but there are so many people who bought or refied in 2020 and 2021 and they are looking at mortgage rates in the twos, maybe low threes, And unless they have a compelling reason, like their job is forcing them to go somewhere or there is some sort of, you know, life event that forces them, they're not going to be able to sell their home and probably get a better home. Better, of course, is subjective. Um, But, you know, they're then looking at rates in probably the fives, right? They're looking at a home that is probably not as big as what they could get for, yeah or what their current home looks like and so they have very little incentive to move and yeah there's new inventory that's going to come up but that's also a new build and new builds are getting more expensive too so yeah and, and that just pushes even more people into uh, an, another cycle of renting and they don't have a lot of power there right i mean if if all the landlords are able to get thirty, two hundred a month for for their properties on average, then, and I'm just making that number up, but, you know, that's what the market is. You're not going to find better. And, um, it's, it's a really, really difficult market, especially for younger millennials and people who have not, you know, been able to, uh, to save up a huge amount of cash.
0: And, you know, we've, we've written stories about, you know, the, the huge challenges that home builders are facing. Not only do they have little incentive, um, because, you know, they're whatever their, their motives might be, but, you know, like yesterday. I saw a story that said that a builder in my area of North Texas um, had told buyers that he wouldn't be building uh, two-story homes because of the lack of lumber and the cost of lumber. (laughs) I was like, uh, in my area, two-story homes are pretty common, right? And we don't have basements, so – you know, two story homes in a, I mean, you would just kind of expect that that's going to be a good part of any sort of um, new build mix. And so, I mean, that's pretty striking. It, it just, there are just an endless number of stories about this is a crazy market. <laughs> you know, sure. it's, it's just not getting, getting better. You know, one of the other stories I wanted to talk to you, um, it's sort of, it's sort of related. It's the big non-Q, the big non-banks stir up a non-QM turf war. It's related because, you know, we, we've seen refi completely drive up. And now with these, you know, higher rates, I, I can't imagine who that makes sense for. So we're really seeing the purchase market. And of course, um, you know, some of the people um, who want to buy a home who maybe are really qualified to uh, buy a home fall outside of the traditional, you know, they've got their W-2 and and a, and a job that is easy to underwrite. So the non-QM space is, is taking off. You want to tell us a little bit about that story?
1: Yeah, yeah, this is a really interesting one, and I think pretty much everyone saw it coming, right? If you are a big lender, a big IMB, and and you're you're looking at very comparatively to 2020 and 2021, comparatively few refis, which really propped up the market, especially in 2020, right? I mean, who who would have ever thunk that a, that a black swan event would have uh, been been the thing that that really lifted uh, so many non bank lenders and and kind of push them to go public uh but but yeah i mean we're looking at a very different market now and so they have to offer different products to get different types of purchase buyers because it is a purchase game you know i think you're going to see some cash out refis again just because the home prices keep going up and people have a lot of equity in their homes but but you don't hear any lenders talking about, oh, you know, what, I know that there are still three million potential, you know, refi candidates out there, and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna zig while everyone else eggs and uh, and try to target them. They're all looking at purchase, you know. That's just not uh, a strategy that anyone's undertaking right now. And in purchase, you know, you're going to have people who fall, you know, outside of the the kind of tidy Freddie Mac Fannie Mae box, and so non-QM. Is is where it's at, you know, and and non-QM is is a pretty broad term, of course, right? Like you can you can have loans that are non-QM on kind of the lower end of, of um, you know the credit, um, game and and things way beyond you know the the standard, um, you know eight hundred thousand dollar mortgage, right? So so a lot of them are getting into it, um, but they, you know, it's 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 the kind of thing where it's a really difficult business to scale. And that's because it's there's kind of a manual nature to underwriting non-QM loans and you need a lot of expertise to do it. So you can't just be like, okay, I'm Loan Depot or UWM or Rocket. I'm gonna build a non-QM division in, in a month or two and and be able to do this at huge scale. It's just not really achievable. And and so I mean they, they would really they'd almost have to create like a new company within their company to do this. And so I I don't think that any of them are are you know claiming. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a known thing in this space, um, but it's, it's a market that has traditionally been dominated by smaller, um, you know, often real estate investment trusts or private equity firms like uh, Versus Mortgage Capital, Ellington Financial, Angel Oak, I, I think a lot of people probably know them, Deep Haven, Accelerate Capital. Um, there are some IMBs that are jumping into the space, UWM, HomePoint recently announced that they have some non-QM products and and neither of those lenders say that this is going to be, you know, a, a huge business for them, but they need to offer loans for their brokers to be competitive. And um there are going to be a lot of dentists who own their own practice, who don't get a W2 and people who own their own marketing agencies and people who are in tech or people, you know, who um you know, certainly are are I think not very risky borrowers, um, but just don't really work for a Fannie and Freddie loan. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, this does represent a turf battle, right? So it's those Accelerate Capital's and Angel Oaks and Ellington Financials and Deep Havens that are now going to be going toe to toe with um, with some of these big IMBs that you know are, are kind of dabbling in the market. I would say, uh, which is different than you know an Angel Oak, which really kind of does this as its bread and butter. So it's uh, it's an interesting if. I think expected uh, development in this space, and and certainly one to watch because it's um it's a business that is probably going to reach north of forty billion this year. You know, so it's it's not huge, but it is it is definitely a growing space. Last year, non-QM securitization volume hit about twenty seven billion, and um, I think there are a lot of people out there who believe it's going to hit maybe even sixty this year. So. Um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. It's, um, it's certainly an interesting space. And, and I think because the loans are a little bit more complex and, and um, you know, you have different, uh, different uh, business models in there. Like I said, you have those real, invest, real estate investment trusts and you have uh, private equity companies. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. It's, uh, it's one to watch for sure. James,
0: so many moving parts. We're going to be keeping an eye on all of it. Uh, Really appreciate what you and your newsroom are doing to keep us informed. Um, Thanks for being on.
1: Thank you very much, Sarah. According to a recent article on The Great Resignation by MIT Sloan Management Review, More than 40% of all employees were thinking about leaving their jobs at the beginning of 2021. And that figure only grew as the year went on. So how are leaders finding ways to retain valued employees? Or maybe you're even asking these questions as a leader yourself. Step one to addressing this? Empowering team members to take ownership of their professional growth. This is why we've invited leadership coach and author Renee Rodriguez to join us for this HV Plus Virtual Masterclass. Think of this class as a one-stop shop on what you need to know to take your leadership to the next level. Go to housingwire.com to learn more and register.
0: Thanks for listening to HousingWire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. We'll see you back here on Monday for more news and insights.